God. Isn't God good, though? Hey, man, I tell you, <clears throat> my, uh, my grandson was uh, over last night. We had him over yesterday, and, and my daughter said that little Jack, he's, Jack's, what, five, I think? I said, How old is he, Julie? Is he five? He's six, and Benny's four. He's five. I lose track of him. Jack said, I saw an angel, Daddy. Now, whether he saw an angel or not, I don't know. Maybe it's in his imagination. Maybe he did. I don't know. My daughter saw an angel. She's four years old. Charity did. We were in Bible college. She said, it was a man in my room last night. Well, when you hear that, you're like, what? She's like, yeah. And so she described me. He was dressed in white and said, well, what did he do? said, he just stood there and looked at me. I said, well, were you afraid? She's like, no, I wasn't afraid. And, but anyway, Jack said he saw an angel. And Benny said, I saw one too. He said, y'all had already locked the door. said, he crawled in the window. <laughs> Aren't kids great? Praise God. We're going to talk about an angel this morning. Now, there was a time that people, they got into big thing with angels. I don't know what it was in the church, and it almost became angel worship, you know. And we don't want to do that, but aren't angels cool? I mean, I, I was just, I guess because I was going to preach on that this morning, I was over there singing. I was like, God, I wish I could just scroll back to the natural realm and see what what's going on in the spirit realm wouldn't that be incredible I, I just wish that we were able to see that you know and I talk about seeing things I've never actually had a vision now if you've had a vision I'd just like to touch you you know <laughs> you know a vision I think a real vision is kind of like everything that you see natural just goes away and I mean you can't see natural things all you see is like it's there like it's really real. That's a true vision. And when I say a vision, it's a daydream. It's an imagination in my mind. I can still see my hands and the floor and the grass and the trees and that. But you have a daydream with your eyes open. Anybody know what I'm talking about? To me, that's, that's a vision, you know. But a real vision, I, I've never had anything like that. But, boy, I, I can just imagine in my mind things, you know. And I'm over there singing. I'm like, Lord, I'd love to be able to just see angels swirling around over the church while we're singing praises, you know. And seeing them stand shoulder to shoulder with their swords like, you know, demon coming in here, you know. Wouldn't that be awesome? Man, that would be great. Well, if you turn in your Bibles with me this morning, we're going to be in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, uh, last Sunday I preached a message in, entitled Divine Encounters, and the Lord just kind of, I believe, I say the Lord took me there, I believe God impresses things on my mind, I don't just come up with these on my own, but maybe I do, you know, sometimes I think maybe we use that too much, well God said to me, or God told me, and we can overuse that, I, I understand that, but when we pray and ask God to I pray, God, God, give me a word for the church body. I believe that the Lord impresses things on my mind, you know. I do. And so I preached a message called Divine Encounter, and I said, Lord, with your permission, I would like to just stay there a little while. Because as I was thinking about that and going through the Scripture, like, which one? I, I'm like, my goodness, there were so, the Bible, that's what it is. It's accounts of divine encounters, you know, and it is full of examples. And so I kind of picked and choose, you know, and, and uh, uh, we can always go to the word. Amen. That should be our source. We, we don't live our life on experience. You know, when does prophecy and experience supersede the word of God? Never. 
Nothing supersedes the word of God. Paul, told, Paul said this to the Galatians because they were going into error. He said, if I or even an angel comes and preaches any other gospel than that which we have preached, let him be accursed. Brother, nothing supersedes the word of God. Amen. You threw me a curveball, brother. You're sitting in a different place. I appreciate that. I looked around this morning, I was watching, I was like, well, they're in their place, and they're in their place. How many are sitting in the same place you sat last Sunday? Come on. You messed me up. I got OCD anyway. I'm like, wait a minute. Something's missing over here. They're all... <laughs> ah, it's one of those moments, you know. And Peter said this. He said, we heard the voice of God. We were with him. Come on, now you're with Jesus and all of a sudden you hear, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The voice of God? I mean, what can be more convincing than that? He said, but we have a more sure word of prophecy. Talking about the scripture. Brother, this is an awesome thing we're reading. Amen? And in Luke chapter 1, the setting here is Zechariah, who is a priest. He's in the temple. And his duty was to burn incense. And they would serve a period of time fulfilling these duties as a priest. And he's in there, and all of a sudden, Gabriel appears in there. Man, that was just seeing an angel, you know. I've never seen one that I know of. The Bible says, be careful how you entertain strangers, for many have entertained angels unaware. Maybe I've seen an angel. Maybe you have. You just didn't know. The Bible says you're unaware that they're angels. And anyway, Gabriel appears to him, and, and he says, your wife, Elizabeth, is going to have a child. And well, Zacharias says, well, how can I know this is true because I'm old? And he said, because you didn't believe me, you're going to be dumb until this comes to pass. So he couldn't speak, you know. And uh, the, the, Elizabeth was five months. She was hid away. And we're picking up there in verse 26. If you're in Luke chapter 126, it says, and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city in Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin. Everybody say a virgin. Come on, we believe in the virgin birth. A lot of people, churches, it would shock you how many people no longer embrace the virgin birth. Because, I mean, that's pretty wild to imagine a virgin with a child now. Come on. We understand anatomy. All right, we understand the facts of life. For a virgin to have a baby, that's miraculous. We all agree with that. And it says she was espoused. And we've got to understand the meaning of what that is. She, she has grown up here in Nazareth, a little girl all of her life, and then she meets this guy, and he's a carpenter, and he sees her, and oh boy, she's really pretty, and they, whatever, build a relationship, and he decides he wants to marry her. And so in the Jewish custom, he would take her to meet his father. And it's a beautiful picture. The Jewish wedding is a beautiful picture of the salvation experience. You know, the first thing that Jesus does is says, I want to introduce you to my father. Amen. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. He said, I want to introduce you to my father. So he'd take her to meet the father, and then they would go over the marriage contract, the ketubah. The Bible is our ketubah, and it tells all the blessings and the, and the dowry that is going to be given to her. They would show all the jewels and everything that she's going to be given, all the gifts. Come on, Jesus left us gifts. All the things, the gifts that's going to be given to her if she agrees to this marriage. And after all that's been presented, she agrees to the wedding. And then he takes her back and he leaves her with the bridesmaids. And he says, 
I am going to go back to my father's house and build a place for you. Because what they would do is add on to the father's house. He said, I'm going to go and, and, and to the father's house and build a place for you. Come on, what did Jesus say? My father's house, there's many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again to bring you unto myself, that where I am there, you will be also. And in the Jewish wedding, the, the groom didn't decide when it was time to go get the bride. The father did. And when the house was complete and it was ready, he would say to his son, go and get your bride. And then he would go usually with the bride's groomsmen, and they would sound the trumpet and said, behold, the bridegroom cometh. And then the bride with her maids would get up and they would light their lamps. The story of the ten virgins, that's what this is talking about. Five had oil, five didn't. It's talking about people that had let their oil run out, let their light go out. Come on, that's talking about Christians. Come on, don't let your oil go out. Don't let your light burn out. All right? And then he would come back and they would go out to meet the bridegroom and then he would go into the wedding. This is the, the stage where Mary and Joseph are. He is not yet married her. They have not yet consummated their marriage. He has not taken her into his father's house, taken her into the marriage bed. But they are, once you've made that agreement and you go back and he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you, you are technically married. If you're a spouse in biblical times, you are technically married. You just have not consummated that marriage through the, the marriage bed. Everybody understand and say amen. So there was a virgin, espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then, Mary, then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Now she's not like Zacharias, who didn't believe the angel. She is accepting this. I, know, I understand what you're saying. But I don't understand how this is going to happen. She's just asking a question. How? I believe you, but how? Because I have never been with a man, she says. Verse 20, 35 says, And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. <laughs> Church, the same Holy Ghost that's right here today is going to come upon her. We understand that. It's going to come upon you, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thou cousin Elizabeth, she is also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, now I want you to get this line right here. This is the focus of our message today. Mary said, Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. 
Father, we ask this morning that you anoint the message, God. Your word is already anointed, Lord. We pray that you would open our eyes to see it, God, to understand it, Lord. But, Father, you, you speak a word to us today, Lord, because it's that word that gets down inside of our spirit, Lord, that helps us to walk, God, in the faith that we have in you, Lord. We believe you, God. We believe in your word. We trust you, God. We are confident, Lord, that your word is yes, and it's amen, God, and it will come to pass, Lord, whether anybody ever believes it or not, God. It's not our faith that makes it happen, God. You make it happen, Lord. But, Father, it's our faith that makes so it's a part of it, God. So, Father, in our faith today, Lord, we trust you and believe you. Now, Lord, I pray that faith would rise up in this, God, in a level we've never known before, that we can trust you, Jesus, and see these things come to pass in our life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Now, last week I talked about divine encounters. Today I want to talk about divine encounters, part two. I'm going to subtitle it, When the Angel Departed. The topic last week was when, when trouble comes, and listen, trouble is, we're surrounded by it. When trouble comes, when you're living in fear, we, we, we see those things. They're real. I mean, we're not stupid. We're not blind. We see that there's problems. I talked about uh, doomsday preppers, and I, want to, don't, I don't want to be misunderstood here. These are real threats, church. Uh, we're not denying that. Uh, and and I'm, I talked about put, put away some beans and stuff. Those things are practical and they're good. In fact, I would encourage you to be wise about the things that are natural. But the point that I wanted to make is we don't always just see the problem because it's a matter of perspective. We see the problem, but more than that, Isaiah said, in the day that King Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord high and lifted up. And so the message was, yes, we see the problem, but we want to see that God is really the one who is bringing all things to pass. Amen? And so that was really the highlight of, of the message last, last week. Now, when I begin to close the, the service, I, I really never know exactly how I'm going to close a message, honestly. And as I, I was closing the service, I really felt impressed to, 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 to tell you and encourage you, we want to see also the Lord. And we need to seek the Lord, not his manifestation. Because I have seen in my time, I didn't grow up in Pentecost. Now, I didn't. But since I've come into Pentecost and the charismatic movement, the full gospel movement, whatever you want to label it, I see a tendency to run after and chase after and wait and expect manifestations. And if we're not careful, those things are great now. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they're bad. They're great. But if we're not careful, we will begin to worship the manifestation instead of worshiping God. We will come to expect this magnificent whatever instead of just trusting God. And so I really felt impressed to, to, to say we need to make sure we focus on the right thing. And as an example, I, the Lord led me to, it just popped into my mind. I'm just saying God told me whatever you can take however you want to. This, it just, the impression of my mind was when Elijah was, was on Mount Carmel and he called down fire from God. Remember that? And he consumed the bull. And then Elijah, uh, um, Jezebel threatened to kill him and he runs away and then he's finally in the cave and God told him to go stand at the cave and he stood at the door of the cave and he saw a great 
uh, wind and it rent the mountains and it split the rocks. It said God wasn't in the wind. Then, then he saw a great earthquake. He said, but God wasn't in the earthquake. Then he saw fire. Come on, and God wasn't in the fire. Now, God was in the fire a few days ago when he consumed the altar. But God wasn't in this fire. And it occurred to me how often we, we expect God to do what he did the last time. Yeah. You know, we, we did this and we did that and God showed up. So what are we going to do? Well, we're going to do this and that again. Because we're trying to create this atmosphere so God will show up. It's kind of like the chickens in the chicken house. The auger on the automatic feeder hung up and their daily rations was multiplied by like a hundred. And man, they're just gorging themselves and eating and they're like, whoa, man, the blessing has poured out, you know. Well, the next day, the mechanic came and fixed the auger and the chickens are sitting there and they're waiting for this blessing. Well, they get their daily ration. And one chicken looks at the other chicken and says, well, what was you doing yesterday when that blessing was poured out? I said, well, I was standing on one leg. So he said, everybody stand on one leg. You know, so they're all standing on one leg. They're waiting, daily portion. Well, the next day, they said, well, what were you doing? I said, well, I was picking my wing. Everybody stand on one leg, pick your wings. Right? <laughs> daily portion. You know, the next day, they're like, well, what were you doing? Well, I was clucking. All right, everybody on one leg, one pick, clucking. <laughs> waiting for the blessing, you know. We do the same thing, church. Come on. We played that song and God showed up. So, boy, we're going to play that song for six months and see if God will show up again. God wasn't in the fire. Yeah, he was in the fire the other day, but he wasn't in the fire today. But he said, then he heard a small, still voice. And God was in the small, still voice. Come on, God. Is, man, he, <laughs> we can't put God in the box. Right. Amen. We can't put him in a box. So we just seek after God. And Isaiah, he said, well, you know, I seek after God. Later on in, in that story, said, the, the angel said, before God said, whom shall go for us and whom shall we send? And Isaiah said, here am I, Lord. Send me. Here am I, Lord. Send me. He didn't say, God, I'll go if you'll bless me. God, I'll go if you'll prosper me. God, I'll go if you'll make sure you keep me safe. He said, no, I will just go. Come on, we just need to trust God. And just go with God. I just want to serve you, Lord. I just want to know you more. I like that song that Brittany sang this morning. I just want more of you, God. More of you. See, too many people I've seen in, in my lifetime, they, they seek the favor and the hand of God instead of seeking the face of God. Lord, I just want to know you. I, I'm not looking for your manifestation. I'm not looking for sensation. I love manifestations. I love the sensations. Man, I love goosebumps. I love it when my goosebumps give birth to goosebumps. There's some times that the Spirit of God just comes on you and you just pour out the gushings of your heart. There's sometimes you just weep and it's a cleansing, you know. I, I, I hope you've experienced that. I have. And it's like uncontrollable. And sometimes it, it, it's sensational like that. It is great. Man, I love it. I love that fire from heaven. It's sensational. Come on. Sometimes it's sensational. If fire comes down and consumes a bull... All the wood laps up the water and consumes the other bull and all the wood. That's pretty sensational. So I'm not saying that God's not sensational. He is. But church, I'm going to tell you something. The same God that lapped up that bull in that fire with the fire in that wood, the same God that did that is the same God that spoke in a small, still voice. Sometimes it's sensational. Sometimes it's very intimate. And one is not better than the other. God, listen, God 
doesn't have to be sensational to be real. Amen? And he doesn't have to manifest his presence to be near. He's omnipresent. He's always here in his fullness. Do we understand that? Now, Pentecostals have been guilty of the misconception of sensationalism. The Pharisees said, God, give me a sign. And he said, no sign will be given to them. Sometimes it is sensational. I mean, look at Azusa Street. It says in Acts 1.8, you'll receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you to be witnesses in me, both in Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the earth. It is sensational. You receive power. That word power in the Greek is dunamis. We get the word dynamite. Sometimes it's explosive. We get the word dynamo from that. Dynamo is a, it's a term known in electrical engineering. The definition of dynamo is it is a recurring force that needs no outside assistance to aid in its function. Do you get that? They can't explain where it comes from or what makes it work. It's just a force in the atmosphere called dynamo. It's a recurring, it's perpetual, but nothing makes it work. They don't know what makes it work. It's just there and it keeps going and going and going. You receive that when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Do you understand that? You receive a recurring force within inside you that needs no outside assistance to aid in its function. It's just a force that keeps going and going and going and going and going. That's pretty sensational. It's explosive. We see it throughout history. We saw it in Azusa Street, the Cane Ridge Revival. We saw it in the French Prophets. We saw it in Brownsville. We've seen it in Toronto. We see it in different places. But listen, we don't have to have that to know that God is still here. It doesn't have to be explosive. We walk by faith, amen? We walk by our faith in God. Because in the eyes of the world, some of the things that we have done under the name of Pentecost or charismatic or, re, or full gospel, whatever, has just been weird. Amen? It's just been weird. So can I ask you, is that the purpose of the baptism of the Spirit is to be weird? Not in the word that I read. He said, this power was given unto you to be a witness unto me. Not to be weird. And God sometimes will embarrass you. Sometimes it, it, it does get a little bit weird. But what I have seen happen in the church, and I'm not here to condemn. I'm here to try to bring balance. My life, my whole ministry is all about balance. Let's find the balance. Because I've seen Pentecost go to the extreme that you're just a worm. I've seen the confession movement go to the opposite extreme that, bless me, if you name it, it's going to come to pass. Somewhere in between those extremes is a balance. I want to find the balance. Amen? But sometimes I think Pentecost has been like Bridezilla. I've never watched the whole show on Bridezilla, but flipping through the channel, has anybody ever seen that Bridezilla you know, the, it's the bride. It's a story about the bride, and she's working up to this great event, you know, and it's all a buildup for this day. And they're, they're shopping for the perfect invitations. You know, they're shopping for the perfect dress and the perfect colors and the perfect cake, and you got to get the perfect photographers and the perfect furnishings for her wedding and the perfect reception hall. And everybody's got to be perfect. Everything has got to be perfect. And all the people that's coming to this bride's wedding are just pawns. 
that is sitting there because all of the focus is on her. And all of a sudden, the ghost of Godzilla possesses her. And every diva demon in the world comes into her, and she starts screaming and cursing and throwing things. And have you ever seen this program? I'm like, my Lord, is her boyfriend getting to see a clip of this? What he's getting ready to marry into? But what happens when the wedding is over? You've built up to this great event, this sensational event. And and when it's over, when the dress is packed away, when all the colors fade, when the cake is gone, the pictures are in the book, they're put over there and nobody really cares. And you wake up on the fourth Tuesday of the sixth month and all there is is just life. And you roll over and that man that you married rolled over and says, Hi, honey, I love you. And you're like, Oh, God, his breath. <laughs> and there's just dirty socks. There is no sensation. There's no explosion. There's just life. What do you do when the angel has departed? What do you do? And so here's Mary. She's just living life. She's a little girl in the town of Nazareth. She grew up there. Everybody knows her. And here's Joseph. He grew up there, and he's, you know, he's a carpenter. He's, he's working there, and he sees her, and they build this relationship, and they agree to get married, and, and all of a sudden, the angel shows up. And here's Mary, and she's standing there and in her room by herself, just her and Gabriel, and he says, oh, by the way, Mary, you're pregnant. <laughs> okay. I'm pregnant, huh? Yes, you're, you're, you're pregnant, Mary. And this and this is going to happen to you, and I wish the best for you. Bye. I mean, what do you do? What do you do? And I'm thinking, when I, I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I would have a problem with that. I'm not like Mary. You know, this girl was pretty amazing. Now, I know we, and the church world has tried to deify her, and because we know that she is not deity, she was just a woman. Come on. I know there's, there, there's visions of her appearing and doing all kinds of things and stuff. I see these specials on Unsolved Mysteries on TV, and Mary appeared to somebody, and the Virgin Mary did this, and they tried to deify her. And what we've done is gone to the other extreme to almost disregard her like the dust in the wind. No, she was favored above all women. Come on, we still remember she was pretty special. She had a relationship with God. But here she is in this town, and all they know is that little girl that grew up in our shadow is now saying, guess what, everybody? (laughs) I'm pregnant. Really? And how did that happen? Well, (laughs) you're not going to believe this. I'm not like Mary. I would have said, when Gabriel said that, I was like, okay, okay. 
okay, are you going to like go with me to tell my father? And the people who are going to start pointing their finger and calling me names and picking up stones to kill me, are you going to go with me? And he says, no. (laughs) Bye, I'll see you later. (laughs) And there's nothing left but life. There's nothing left. The angel is gone. What do you do when he leaves? And all that is left is the finger pointers, the name callers, and the stone throwers. Nobody else saw the angel. She was the only one that saw him. What did she do? Mary just got on with life. She lived a natural, supernatural life. The natural was she just went on carrying this baby to give it life, but supernatural in that she knew what she knew. Come on, do you know what you know? I like what Paul said, I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is more than able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. That is the supernatural faith that you walk in when you walk in this natural world. When every day there is just life with all of its challenges, there's nothing supernatural about it. There's nothing spectacular. There's nothing explosive. There are no goosebumps. It is just life. And trust me, there's more of that than there are of angels appearing in your life. Boy, that's a good amen point right there. Amen. The problem that we have today, though, is we want to go from angel to angel. We have an encounter, and so we're, what can I do to get another angel up in here? I'm waiting for another goosebump, brother. I'm manifestation from heaven, boy. We're waiting on the next angel. Isn't that true? And so we do everything. We try to set the stage and everything to get this next angel to show up. God, send me another angel, and I'll go. <laughs> send me another angel, and I'll continue. What? Wait, 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 wait. No angel? So what am I going to do? I'm going to wait. I'm waiting for the next angel. I'm waiting for the next sensation, the next explosion, the next wow, the next goosebump. Church, I've counseled a lot of people that's going through some very, very dry places, and they feel like God has forsaken them. Where is God? What am I supposed to do now? You know what I tell them? When you're in a dry place, you dig your own well. Come on. When you're hungry, make bread. When you're in the darkness, you be the light. Come on. God has put something in you. You're walking in the natural. But friend, you're walking in the supernatural too. And God doesn't have to show up and do this for you. He has put something inside of you that gives you the power to do what he has commanded you to do. Mary just walked in the natural supernatural. She got on with life when there was no explosion, no sensation or wows or booms or anything else. And what did she say? Be it unto me according to thy word. According to your word. And Mary carried the vision inside of her until she gave birth to his word. 
Church, that is the call that God has given each and every one of us. You are a Mary in a sense. God has put something inside of you, his word. And he has commanded you to carry that vision inside of you. When everybody around you wants to stone you, when all they do is point fingers at you and all they do is call you names, you carry that vision inside of you until you give birth to the word of God that he has put in you. And you're going to have a whole lot more of that than you're going to have sensation, trust me. And if you can't get a hold of this, if all you're waiting on is the next angel, you're going to be a very discouraged Christian. We've got to learn to walk in the natural, supernatural. She didn't run out and tell everybody. In fact, it's not recorded that she ever told anybody that she saw an angel. Or explain how this came to pass. Maybe she did, but the Bible doesn't say so. In Luke 2, 19 and 20, it says, And Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they heard and seen as it was told unto them. Imagine being a shepherd now. And here you are out in the field, and you're walking around, and all of a sudden, angels appear unto you. Come on, that would be pretty sensational, pretty awesome. And you're looking up. you got to understand, this is a real world we live in, right? You're a shepherd, and you're looking up, and you're like, oh, man, that angel. Because he's surrounded with sheep and things that sheep leave on the ground. You know what I'm saying? And when the angel has left, and they go and see the baby, and they come back, they're still just sheep. And sheep's tough, and it stinks, and life is hard, and they've got, it's cold, and it's raining, and all the things that they have to contend with, there's just life. But I, I, I can't help but think that those angels, those, those shepherds, all their life said, brother, you should have been there that night. Come on, how many's had a touch from God? And maybe you've never had it, but just one sensational, whoa. And all, I mean, even to this day, you can think back and say, if you could have just been there that day. Mary pondered these things in her heart. She carried them with them all the days of her life. See, we get the, we, we tend to think if God is going to do something, it's got to be big. And we turn into Christian Zilla. There's got to be a spotlight. It's got to be perfect. The stage has got to be set. Perfect dress, the perfect color, the perfect cake, the perfect photograph, perfect music, everything in the spotlight. No. Mary was alone in a room with just her and the angel. Come on, it isn't always big. I believe that some of the most supernatural moments in your life are the most intimate moments in your life. Where there are no pawns sitting around and all the spotlight is on this moment and on you. It's just you and God. And nobody else ever really knows the fullness of what has happened to you. She never told anybody about the angel, but brother, she never forgot that night. I'm assured of that. Amen. How many of you are tired? You lost an hour of sleep last night and you're ready to go home. Amen. Amen. 
Uh, thank you for those two very honest people. Teenagers, man, you, they're, they're honest, you know. I'm tired, preacher. Would you shut up and let me go? <laughs> we get it. I got the point. Amen. Church, after, after we've had an encounter with God, there, there's just life, and we walk by faith. We walk by faith. When the angels departed, we just walk in the natural supernatural. But church, let me just say one last thing as I'm closing here. We have something Mary didn't have. She couldn't look back and say, oh, Luke chapter 1, <laughs> that's what this is. I'm going to give birth to the Savior of the world. I get it. No, they didn't have the story. We do. Come on, we've got the whole story. I can look back and see that even if an angel comes and preaches any other gospel than what we have heard, let him be accursed. I can look back and see that there, let me read it to you real quick. In, in, in 2 Peter chapter 2, it says, chapter 1, it says, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And he received from God the Father honor and glory when there was such a voice uh, to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we lost my place. We heard when we were with him in the holy mountain. But we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Every time I read that, I'm like, what can be more certain than hearing the voice of God? But he said, we have a more sure word of prophecy. Unto, and you do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the day star rises in your heart. Church, we have something Mary didn't have. We've got the full counsel of God. And we look back and we, we see what God is doing. We understand what God is doing. We have the power of the witness inside of us. And church, the same thing that God put inside of her, he has put inside of you. Come on, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, does it dwell in you? Bible says, I'm a temple of God. The Spirit of God's dwelling in me. So what am I going to do? I'm going to walk in a natural life, surrounded by natural things, living a natural everyday life with stinking socks and bad breath and pointing fingers and everything else that goes with it. In faith, till I give birth to that word that has been put inside of me. Are you seeing this, church? living the natural, supernatural life that God has called us to. Now, if there's sensation involved with that, the supernatural, praise God, man, that's great. I welcome it. I, I want it. I want it. I do. But I don't want to go bridezilla if God doesn't move. I don't want to act like a chicken standing on one leg, plucking its wing, clucking, trying to get God to show up. Amen? We're going to trust God. We're going to believe God. We're going to believe people to get a powerful touch from God. I do. I do. But we're not going to be weird trying to make it happen. Amen. We're just not. I, don't, I just don't think that's God. Come on, God. 
Have you been there? I've been there and seen it. I'm like, I just don't know about that. I felt something, but I'm not sure it was the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, why don't you stand to your feet if you would, please? God, we want the explosion, the boom, the wow, Lord, the goosebumps, all of that, Lord. And if you show up and do that, it is so awesome. God, I, I love those moments. I really do. But if you don't, you're still God. You're still God. Lord, if there's times of intimacy where I just pour out the gushings of my soul. Those times are awesome, Lord. But Father, if there's times that I feel like I'm in such a dry place and I even question, are you even there? You're still God. And Lord, no matter what you do, no matter how powerful it is, God, when it's all over, God, when it's all over, when the cake is gone and all the pictures have been put away, Lord, when the angel has departed, God, all that's left is people pointing fingers and casting stones, calling names, bad breath, dirty socks, Lord. I'm not going to wait on the next angel, Lord. I just want to be like Mary, God. I want to say, behold your servant, Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. How many of you this morning would say, God, be it unto me according to thy word? Not according to feeling, not according to manifestations, not according to visions or prophecies or anything. Even if an angel comes and says something different than your word. But God, be it unto me according to your word. And God, we don't have to make a big deal out of it, Lord. All the days of my life, I will ponder those things in my heart. Lord, it's special to me, God. I remember the day that I truly committed my life to you, Lord. I remember the day that you touched me and I was filled with the baptism of the Spirit, God. I remember that. Never had an experience like that from that day to this. But I remember that day and I ponder those things in my heart, God. If you're here this morning, And you've never had an encounter with God. Maybe you're not even a Christian. If you were to die today, you don't know where you would spend eternity. You've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. Before I close today, I want to give you an opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord and the Savior of your life. It may not be sensational. It's just a matter of an act of faith. God, I know I'm a sinner And God, I I want to give my life to you. I want you to come into my life and to live. I want the Holy Spirit to dwell in me. That's all you have to do is say, Lord, I just want the Holy Spirit to dwell in me. I want you to forgive me of my sin. If you've never done that, I'm going to invite you this morning to trust Jesus as your Savior. Is there anyone in here this morning who will say, Pastor, I'm not a Christian, but I would like to be. I'd like to pray for you before we close. I see your hand. Is there someone else? Anyone else? I'm not a Christian, but I would like to be. God bless you, young lady. Anyone else? Let's pray for this young lady right now. 
In Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you for the faithfulness of this young lady. God, her courage to say, Lord, I want to give my life to you. Young lady, I want you to pray this prayer with me, and I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm going to ask the whole church to pray this with me, if you would, please. Say, Dear God, I am a sinner, and I come before you and confess my sin. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I give my life to you. Will you come into my heart, and will you live there? And I will serve you all the days of my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Young lady, if you pray that prayer and you mean it, Jesus Christ just came and made you his child. He come into your life. Some of you are walking today and you haven't had a touch from God. Maybe you've had an encounter with God at some point in the past, but you're in a very, very dry place. You understand what I say when I talk about we walk in the natural world. When the sensation is over and the manifestation and all those things are over, all there is is just life and it's hard. You're surrounded with people that ridicule you and call names, point fingers, throw stones. Life is filled with bad breath and dirty socks. And it's difficult. One last thing I want you to see about Mary. She didn't have to walk alone. Because the angel also came to her husband, Joseph, and said, Take Mary to be your wife, because that which is in her is conceived of the Holy Spirit. What I'm telling you, church, is other people who have seen the angel understand, and they walk with you. Sometimes we get in dry places. But there's other people that walk in faith that's here to help you. And to walk with you. You don't have to walk alone. There's people to help you. I'm going to ask the elders if they would come please to the front of the church. If you're here this morning. And you're in a dry place. You're going through something. It's a struggle. Listen, we all go through those things. And it's hard. You don't have to carry that burden alone. There's people that love you. People that seen the angel, so to speak, and they understand. And like Joseph walked with her to help her until she gave birth to Jesus, we're here to walk with you. And so while the worship team ministers to us this morning, I want to take just a few minutes and just allow you to come and have prayer and have people pray with you and stand with you. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you are blessed and encouraged by it. Central Virginia Assembly of God is located on 5052 Cross County Road, Mineral Virginia, 23117. If you would like more information about the church, visit us at centralvaag.org or call 804-514-2413. We would love to hear from you. God bless.